For more resources, visit rymonline.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Um, all right, everybody, we're back here with Ryan Hughes, um, RUF Campus Minister at Colorado State University. Um, we've been asking several quick questions over the last few days, and uh, today's question is, what are some practices in ministry uh, that have really assisted you in soul care? And I know soul care has kind of been something, it seems like, at least from my perspective, has been emphasized more um, over the past few years. You're seeing, you know, literature being published on this, Zach S. Wine, Sensing yes. Jesus, and yep. Imperfect Pastor, um, Christopher Ashes, uh, Zeal Without Burnout, and um, so, so what are some things, and obviously this can apply across the board as ministry is difficult, whatever shape or form it takes on. So what are some things that have assisted you in soul care? I would say two things right off the bat, and we can see where this goes. Number one is finding a person or two or three, or even a group, if you're so lucky, of people who love you and know you as a pastor who that you can be utterly honest with to create the opportunity where if something just is ugly in your life of your of your own fault or something that happened to you where you could tell somebody and didn't feel like you had to hide my takeaway just personally from reading a lot of the literature you mentioned, but also talking to and knowing some pretty some pretty high power pastors who have left the ministry like indiscreet because of big sins, addictions or sexual sin or, or something. Mm-hmm. I mean honestly a lot of those those guys have been loved well by the denomination and that's been beautiful to see too. Um, and that's been wonderful. But I honestly I, I, I see those things I'm like I don't want to do that. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to burn out. Yeah. I don't I don't want to Oh my goodness! Have an affair of any kind. I mean, emotional, secret, or physical. Or any, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to be an addict to anything. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, that scares me. And I hear these guys telling these stories, and I'm looking at them. I'm like, we have the same denominational DNA. We have the same theology. We know the same people, and that have you know. So I what is going to happen to me and whatever. But the one thing I've come out of hearing all of those stories is this one thing is, is consistent is that they hid those things, mm-hmm. that they hid them. Now, I hope that I choose not to hide them when and if that becomes necessary. Well, I mean, it has to some degree. Like I've had to, you know, work through things and share things with people. Mm-hmm. But I think not hiding at least, so what can I, I can't make anybody else not hide, but what I can do as a church culture or as people caring for pastors or as elders caring for their pastors or as committees of pastors caring for their RUF campus minister is to at least create the space and the expectation of you don't have to hide. We will love you when you tell us what's really going on because that will happen. Yeah. Um, that's just huge. I mean, that, 
that's by far the absolutely the biggest and, thing. And kind of a follow up with that before we move on to another one is any advice on how you go about seeking that community? I know people debate this and talk about can you can you truly confide in you know a member in your same church? I mean, if you're a youth worker in the local church, if you're the pastor, can you really confide with uh, someone who's in your congregation, or should you find someone who's outside of that? I mean, that's, that's, there? that's a good. No, that's a really good question. I, I have heard of. So off the top of my head, in the moment, <laughs> uh, as I'm doing statistics over the conversations I've had over the last 20, 20 years of being involved in, in ministry in different ways, I. It is much rarer that somebody has somebody in their congregation or an elder in a congregation who they can be this with. It's mm-hmm. typically, or I would say majority, it's another cohort of pastors or maybe even of different denominations, actually. Mm-hmm. So out here in the yeah. West, for me, it has been um, like my people that are this. I've actually been lucky in that the pastor of the church that I attend, like he is this, for me, total safe place. Mm-hmm. And there's a committee of guys that I have over me, I I feel like I could, you know, talk to them about these things and they wouldn't shove me out of the door. I don't know that that's always the case. And so, honestly, I think you just have to find, you have to pray for it. You can't mm-hmm. manufacture it. Yeah. There is a person, there are people, and you have to find them where you can get them. I wouldn't be afraid of having that person be in your congregation. I personally, mm-hmm. I've heard that say, you need to find somebody outside your congregation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In my context, like, who else is there? Yeah, <laughs> like, I yeah, can't, you yeah. know what I mean? So um, I do have good friends in other denominational ministry, really good friends. Mm-hmm. And like we know each other on a heart history, personal history level. But we kind of have to band together out here, you know, in the West and our own uh, churches. So I don't know. I would, some people have, have emphasized looking outside the congregation. I don't think you have to. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And again, that's just. Vitally important thing is having community. Um, that, yeah. that Christianity is not a solo project. You need brothers and sisters in Christ to help you walk through those difficult times and be vulnerable and share your struggles, um, yeah. not only for their their prayer, their encouragement, but also them helping you see blind spots as well, ways in which you know, your sin has blinded you. So, yeah, um, yeah that's, that's very helpful advice. Anything you want to add to that? Any other practices you've pursued in soul care? I would just mention one other practice. This is going to sound, I don't know what it's going to sound like, but it's just the truth for me. If I don't read my Bible and pray at least twice a day, I'm dying. Mm. I'm going to die. If morning and evening, right, pun intended, the book, the whatever, if morning and evening that's on my practice, I'm dying, period, in a discussion. So I just don't, I think we have to jettison our reform culture a lot of this Think about oh you know it's it's only um, it's only the legalists that say you have to read your Bible like that's insane yeah to say I just that's crazy yeah. because if we really take our theology seriously that God has revealed Himself in the Word and speaks to us and meets us in the Word of God man then we better be in the Word of God Amen. otherwise we're dying so and if we're not of course we're not reading the Word of God to find out what to do for the day. <laughs> I'm reading the Word of God to meet Him and then to pour my heart out to Him and expect Him to answer in prayer or even through the next verse that I read or whatever. So reading the Bible and praying twice a day, morning and evening, or more, if you're not doing that, you're dying. 
Yeah. yeah. Amen. I mean, that, that's all, it's called the means of grace for a reason. For right? You know, yeah. I mean, to, 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 you know, I mean, to work that grace in your life through the, the living word of God and through time communing with him through word and prayer. Yeah. It's vital. Um, so, yeah, that can seem like an obvious one. Like maybe we shouldn't even mention that, but we, we, we better mention it and um, better yes, be clinging to it. So that's good. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure.